Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dormush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 711 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, covering all the latest in the world of PlayStation. I'm your host for this week, I'm joined by Brian Altano. Happy 711 to you. Happy 711 to you as well, and Max Scoville, welcome as well. What's the 711, Jonathan? What's the se- the, that what classic that, that catchphrase? Like, is that like tr- is that like transit alerts? I don't know. I don't know. It's not. Like- no, that's when there's like an emergency and you really need um, some snacks. You can call that number and people will bring them to you. No, that's I not, feel like you're you grossly no. undermining an actual service that is an emergency service. Like 411? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is it? Like, I think like 411 is information and 911 is the police. And there's like 711 is hot dogs. I should call. One one and ask them what seven one one does. You know that's that would be a good. That's situation. now that's that's a waste of their time over there. That's true. Anyway, let's like stop no, wasting everyone's time. Like no one's ever made a phone call that wasted someone's time. Um, <laughs> we've we've got a lot of PlayStation news to discuss this week. Uh, we have sales news uh, for the PS Five hitting a major milestone in sales, despite uh, you know supply shortages that uh, we'll talk a little bit about, but continue uh, to be the case and likely will for a while, according to some within the tech industry. Uh, we've got the PlayStation Plus games for August to talk about this week. Uh, some some news from from our old our old PlayStation pal Sean Layden and what he's up to these days, uh, and a little bit else. Uh, and of course, uh, like clockwork, the blue box conspiracy has come back to uh, tease everyone with things that probably aren't real. But I'm haunted because my light just went out, so I'm going to make sure that battery is not flickering and awful. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about this week, including some questions from you, the audience at home. Uh, but it would be remiss of us to not start the show off uh, content-wise by talking about, obviously, the the biggest thing happening within the gaming industry right now. And that is uh, the revelations of uh, sort of uh, systemic uh, abuse and harassment and, and major uh, issues against uh, particularly women within Activision Blizzard. Uh, this originated from a lawsuit from Activision Blizzard uh, that popped up in the previous few days. And since then, we've gotten word from many employees currently there and otherwise uh, of issues they've faced while working at Activision Blizzard. Obviously, this follows in, I think, you know, a pattern of seeing more of these revelations come to light in the industry. I think a repeated frame that we've seen online, and I think something to keep in mind is that the, everything here is is awful and harrowing to hear. This is not an isolated issue at Activision Blizzard. This is something that we are unfortunately, um, unfortunately know is something that exists throughout the industry and, and probably most of life just because of the way our society has been for so many uh, decades, if not hundreds of years, but um, it is something that thankfully so many um, brave people are coming forward and and speaking about uh, and and putting a light on these issues that sorely need to be addressed at a, a systemic level. Um, and and since that initial lawsuit uh, revelation came out, I believe that report first came from Bloomberg. Uh, we've seen more uh, information from Activision and those who are uh, accusing them of, of being negligent of all of this harassment. Um, some of those things have included, uh, there was a response from Activision Blizzard immediately afterwards, uh, basically decrying the lawsuit and saying it was full of inaccurate information and things and really focused on the lawsuit and not the humanity of it all. Uh, there was then a statement last night from uh, Activision head Bobby Kotick uh, about how their first response was tone deaf and some of the immediate actions they were taking. Uh, but his response came right before a planned uh, Activision Blizzard walkout uh, that many employees are, are uh, 
taking part in, uh, as well as uh, doing fundraising uh, donation support for a whole bunch of charities that, uh, you know, support those who, who are in need. Um, we've since seen uh, the a group of Activision employees undersigning a letter uh, saying that the statements that we've seen so far uh, do not address, um, you know, everything, that, that their demands and their issues, uh, specifically the, the most recent response from uh, employees was that Activision Blizzard's response did not address the end of forced arbitration for all employees, worker participation in oversight of hiring and promotion policies, the need for greater pay transparency to ensure quality, uh, equality, excuse me, and employee selection of a third party to audit HR and other company processes. Um, today's walkout will demonstrate that this is not a one-time event that our leaders can ignore. We will not return to silence. We will not be placated by the same processes that led us to this point. Um, obviously, there's a lot more uh, coverage of it right now on IGN and re- reporting. Our, our news team is is looking into everything, not just at Activision Blizzard, but as I mentioned, things going on throughout the industry. And I apologize for sort of uh, just kind of no, 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 go, going on and on. I just there's so many layers to it. I want to make sure that, you know, we're not... Um, the, the, this all broke since we last recorded, so I want to make sure we, you know we're, we're covering the beats of it. But uh, I mean, you, you were you you were a significant force on our news team for years. You're over on the feature side now, Jonathan. But this is a this is a part of why you're here. You're very good at sort of taking scenarios like this and, and news in general and breaking it down for public consumption. And not all that news is good. I, I think it's it is worth mentioning that this originated from a massive years long lawsuit that stemmed from the state of California, an investigation. Uh, this this is about as third party as you can get in terms of like a, a giant force looking into a problematic area and going, what's happening here and investigating it. This is not just based on like hearsay from one incident or something like that. I've seen some people sort of like kind of go, well, you know, where's the proof and blah, blah, blah. Like there, I, I feel like there's there's a lot of kind of undermining, luckily not a, not a ton, but there's some undermining of the of the gravity of the of the scenario here. Um, this is a, this is a massive investigation that came from the state of California. They're already looking at other game studios. This is not the last you'll hear of a situation like this. I imagine that, uh, that sort of magnifying lens and scrutiny is going to happen across the country, if not the world now that this is, you know, this is a, 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 a fire that is now going to continue to spread and it's going to reveal a lot of stuff that has been kind of hiding in the shadows for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's ugly and it's awful. And I'm. I hate seeing it, but I'm also glad that it's coming to light because that's the only way that things can change and then we can see any meaningful progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to talk about and it's not fun to talk about, which is sort of antithetical to what we usually do here on the show, but it's really important to talk about it. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm, it sucks that it's, that it's the situation, but I'm, I'm glad that it's, like you said, coming to light that we are talking about it. So. Yeah, I, I will say that there's, um, obviously there's a, if you're watching this, you maybe you're wondering what you can and can't do. Uh, there's been a lot of sort of like um, discussion around the kind of unequivocal banning of of, of all Activision Blizzard content, uh, coverage of that content, um, purchasing of those games. Uh, the, this is where it gets a little gray for us. And we were talking about it a little before the show, because we know people at these places that are participating in the walkouts today who want to stay at these companies that they believe in and they want to affect change and they want to help them grow and evolve because they believe in the, 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 the games that they make, the stories that they're telling, the audiences that they're reaching and cultivating. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult to support those people and also say, you know, we're not going to cover these things. We're not going to purchase these games. So I don't, I'm not going to tell you I have an answer on how to solve for that because I just know that there are people that 
believe that everything is happening is wrong and they want to change it and you know sticking it to their wallet specifically is not going to help but i also do think that there's a responsibility to sort of send the message to the higher ups like that that this is not right and the fact that bobby kodak stepped in to be like you guys are messing with my yacht money you, like it, it shows that something so i think i think it's okay to dunk on a billionaire with bozo hair I don't care. <laughs> oh you don't need um, to apologize yeah and, and, but uh, just excuse me moneyball star bobby kodak, right moneyball star uh-huh. bobby kodak um i I, I don't know what the answer is here. These are massive, massive companies. They they run things like Warcraft and Call of Duty, some of the most uh, recognizable, reputable, and best-selling video game franchises of all time. Um, I don't think that you can just... There's no like sort of silver bullet that happens with consumers, you know, deciding they don't want to engage in those in those properties anymore. But um, I do think it's important to hear the voices of the individuals at these companies, to look into the walkouts, to look into the charities that they are raising money for and helping signal boost their voices here, because I think that's the only way to to make things better. Um, We you know, it's it's impossible to talk about this conversation without talking about how we had a a smaller version of this happen at IGN just a couple of years ago. We also walked out. It worked. It um, got a lot of the sort of guilty parties out, if not all. And it, it helped a lot of the people at the time, you know, form a better tomorrow. It led to better hiring practices at IGN. It led to better voices coming in and new newer voices coming in and a sort of a larger, more diverse panel of individuals running the company. And I feel like we're better today than we were a few years ago. And I feel like that's a, a, a needle that constantly needs to be moved forward, right? Like we, no one should ever sit on their laurels and go, we did it. So um, yeah, my, I, I don't know. My, my heart goes out to everybody affected by this. I stand with you uh, sitting in my chair um, as much as I can. You are virtually walking out of a job that you're not physically in, but that's still um, meaningful and impactful because you are not, um, you know, contributing your thoughts and services and hours and time and blood, sweat and tears into something right now that uh, you don't feel like you're getting what you deserve in return for. And I, you know, we're with you. And so keep fighting. Yeah, we we absolutely are standing in solidarity with those who are who are uh, walking out today, which is the, the day we're recording and, and this episode is posting. Uh, for reference, just uh, to mention, uh, since I can't link in a post at this moment uh but uh the walkout organizers were pointing people toward a number of really great charities including uh black girls code futures without violence girls who code rain women in animation and women in games international uh you can find uh all of those organizations uh online uh through the active liz walkout uh, hashtag there's there's links and resources to donate to them if you if you'd like to do so but yes we uh we will obviously definitely continue to to check in on this you know just before we were recording brian had pointed out um Stephen Totillo at uh axios had reported that uh nearly 500 current and former ubisoft workers uh, from 32 studios signed an open letter in solidarity with Activision Blizzard uh, and calling out Ubisoft management for its handling of its misconduct scandals over the past year. Obviously, that was, you know, a story that that broke in the last year and that we've talked about on the show. It is, um, as as I think both of you have said, like, it is a com- incredibly complex um, web of things that, that is happening and going on. But without a doubt, um, it is... Uh, horrible and and harrowing to read and see these things and just so incredibly um brave and impactful that the work that those are those people are doing who are coming forward uh are doing so and it what i think always really matters with these is that we support those who are coming forward 
believe victims, believe women. My light hates me whenever I talk now, apparently, um, to to make sure that we're hearing these stories and and sharing the struggles that they went through and sharing those who are working to make progress and to make change. Because with by letting these things quiet down, that's the, the way change, you know, doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. we need to continue to shine a light on these things. As I said, the, the IGN news team is, is doing a lot of really great reporting of not just the, the things that are coming from the Activision Blizzard walkout, uh, you know, posts that we've been seeing and, and, and announcements, but we are looking into things more, more deeply than that. And, and hopefully we'll have some reports we can, share and, and point you to on the show, uh, hopefully by next week. But yeah, uh, definitely yeah, our, something. our entire news team currently has their DMS open. And I don't mean that in like a skeevy TMZ kind of way, but if you want to, if you know, if you work at one of these companies and you want a signal boost or you want, you know, um, a platform to help get your story out or your voice out, we are here for you. It is not the kind of thing that we are doing like out of like some sort of like gross, nefarious clicky thing where we're just trying to get traffic off of it. IGN, Genu- genuinely cares about this show. and we have a lot of people on staff that genuinely care about this show. i would argue all of our staff genuinely cares about this show. um sorry for cursing a lot but um yeah we're we're there for you if you if if you need to help get your story out yep absolutely and and actually uh rebecca valentine one of our more recent hires and on the news team phenomenal reporter uh but put a, a sort of a tweet thread up yesterday about that of the reality of reporting on these things and and the why of what she and the the news team are doing so mm-hmm. um if, if you'd like to hear more from from them directly you can go check out uh her tweets on there i'm going to make sure i have her handle correctly but she is a at duck valentine you can definitely go check out a lot of the stuff that she's been talking about our, our process and stuff there but yeah the whole team matt uh joe cat everyone uh, is doing phenomenal work and uh, we we appreciate what they're doing uh, to be able to help tell these stories. And again, uh, our our thoughts and and our um, uh, support are with all of those walking out today at Activision Blizzard. Um, of course, we've got a lot to talk about in the world of PlayStation. Uh, a few things. I feel like we're gonna a couple stories are going to take the the main focus, but there's actually a few other smaller things that I did definitely want to also highlight as well. Um, obviously, I wish there was more time in the world to play and talk about dreams <laughs> because it is just such a massive incredible work of art and works of art within it that people are doing uh but the media molecule team i just wanted to shout them out is doing uh dreams con 21 uh, dreams com excuse me uh which is just a really really great way uh for the media molecule team to highlight a bunch of creators within dreams uh go check them out if you're not following media molecule on twitter uh, obviously they're linking to a bunch of great stuff and and are uh, live streaming on twitch and, and doing stuff on TikTok. Go check them out. They're doing a lot of great stuff to highlight uh, the creators in that space. Uh, And I think that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And I think Media Molecule even, I want to get the correct name, but I think they actually put out just Media Molecule created a new platformer within Dreams and released it uh, as a thing. I think it's called uh, Ancient Dangers, A Bat's Tale. Uh, It's labeled (laughs) as like a Media Molecule Originals. And it's just like, there's a new Media Molecule platformer within Dreams that you can go play. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, the, the, the biggest issue with these games is, is always, um, uh, discoverability and curation and sort of, uh, surfacing the, the best stuff in there. And so I'm really happy that they're like personally staking out a lot of cool stuff in there. Obviously there's, there's so much in there that it's impossible to find it all. And, you know, things are going to fall through the cracks. Amazing games are never going to get played. And that's a bummer, but you know, the reality of it, but I'm, I'm really happy that this, this community is still thriving, that um, Media Molecule is doing everything they can to support them. 
I, I hope that just continues to grow across, across PlayStation five and six and seven and beyond. Beyond. Yeah. Um, um no, I was yeah, going to say, I keep, I keep one eye on the, on the dreams subreddit and it's, it's really, it's really cool. Like, obviously like I would love to jump in there and see what the top dreams of every week are, but it's kind of interesting to see just the stuff that pops up because somebody's like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just making every gun in dreams. So if you need it, <laughs> it's there. If you need guns, I got them. They're very realistic. I've been working hard on them. And someone else is like, Hey, I made uh, the, you know, the hunter's dream from bloodborne. You can check it out in VR if you want. And it's just like, it's mind boggling the amount of things that people have you know been doing in there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I want to, I, I want to see, like, I wish there was just, um, I don't know. I would love if there was like a weekly sort of showcase. I'm sure there is. I should, I should look for this. This is, this is mm-hmm. not me for not, you know, checking it out, but it is really cool to see media molecule, like continue to like, you know, foster community attached to this because this is the kind of thing that would just sort of die on the vine if they didn't have, um, you know, a, a sort of a dialogue with the people actually you know, creating. It, yeah. It, it feels like since, um, the pandemic began, we we've actually like personally on this show said a bunch of times, man, it'd be really cool to see more virtual conventions that mimic the physical shared space of going <laughs> to a real, you know, uh, d- defunct hotel turned packs or whatever they usually are. Um, and so dreamscom is awesome. Like the fact that they're like, here's a show floor, here's booths, here's different, uh, attractions and locations you can go visit and you can interact with people. Like, that's super, super cool. Uh, more stuff like this. I, I, I honestly hope that like virtual conventions uh, are, are a thing forever. And because there, there's constantly people all around the world that are like, I really want to go to this thing and play this game and I can't make it to Boston. I can't make it to Seattle, you know, or uh, all, the, all these different places all over the country, all over the world, going to Germany for Gamescom or something like that. This would be the kind of thing that like I, I think should be regular. It should be part of the scenario of every time a new convention comes around you know, make a, make a virtual version too. So, yeah. um, I actually, I don't know if we, are we, did you put the thing in there? The, the VR thing I, I sent you, is this, in the uh, I, I forgot to put it in, but if you uh, that's actually a good segue right there. There's a studio that, uh, I stumbled upon that is making a PlayStation VR game that is called the last video store. And it's been put out an announcement trailer, which is one of the weirdest trailers I've ever seen. But the premise is basically it is a virtual reality blockbuster video you can go into and you can pick up the videos and look at the back of them. And I don't know how they're doing this on a copyright level or like a legal licensing level, but you can just straight up watch movies. Yeah, you see a a character pick up like the Evil Dead uh, box and then and then they pop into a theater and watch it. It's fascinating. I I don't know if this is like I honestly uh, this seems like too good to be true. This is actually like a, a thing I've wanted for for ages. I would love so much if any streaming service like stole this model and made it how you interact with their their library. Uh, but yeah, you go into the video store and you walk around, you look at stuff. There's also a survival mode where you have to like work at local businesses to like, it, it sounds, <laughs> I honestly feel like it might be a prank, which based on their other <laughs> games, it could be. Um, I found out they, this is a studio is called uh, rare bird games and they made, uh, they made a very weird dreams thing called Sinfeld Chronicles, which is a Seinfeld oh, horror yeah. game. <laughs> and they are supposedly doing a full blown, console version of that they're they're putting it on ps5 and there's a trailer for that too which is again some of the craziest stuff i've ever seen it's like a baby wearing kaneda's jacket from akira and he's fighting like slender man and there's like shin godzilla <laughs> fighting an evangelion and there's just all sorts of insane and then they're they're going through seinfeld's apartment but it's scary i don't know <laughs> again it all sounds like stuff that i no pun intended to dreamed up you know like it's it's, yep. it's just so I don't know, like, I, I hope we see more of that. I feel like Dreams has been a platform long enough that we are going to see, uh, 
you know, games sort of trickle out that are like, this was, this was prototyped in dreams. This began as a dreams hit. Uh, like the, just, I think someday this week, whatever, um, the forgotten city is coming out, which is a, mm-hmm. you know, from the ground up bespoke. it's, it, it's its own game, but it began as a Skyrim mod. And the guy was like, this should exist outside of Skyrim. And so he went into unreal and basically rebuilt the entire thing. And instead of it being in, you know, Dwemer ruins with running on the Skyrim engine, it's, it's like bespoke Roman architecture. And it's like mm-hmm. effectively an entirely new game, but you know, he basically laid the groundwork and tested it out in Skyrim and Skyrim is not a creative platform like dreams. Like that's a, that's a, you know, it's mod friendly, but like dreams is flat out, like make a game. That's the point. So like, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited to see sort of what, what shakes out, like what, you know, what does the future of dreams look like? Me too. Like, even outside of dreams. And it's, it's an awesome space that I definitely think we can probably do more of our part to, to definitely highlight them. And I definitely want to think about ways to do that going forward. But yeah, it's, want to it's, check out Sinfeld. It looks terrifying. <laughs> Who does it? Um, but yeah, con- congrats to uh, the Media Molecule team for Dreamscom 21 uh, and, and what they're putting together. Really awesome to see their support of uh, that community and their continued consistent support in the ways that they do. Uh, also, just because I think it's one that not many of us have been playing uh, currently, but just to mention for those who, who may be on PS5, uh, Destruction All-Stars is getting a pretty hefty July update that is intended to make a lot of like balance changes and things. Uh, everything from uh, dramatically reducing the cooldown on just your ability to, you know, slam into other cars to destroy them, which is kind of a big part of the game. Uh, things about... Uh, issues of players getting ghost hits online of of seeming like they were getting hit, but they didn't actually get the impact of it, but were losing health. They're making a lot of like big systemic changes that they've seen issues with. Uh, they're continuing their their first season. I would. It's a game that I want to go back to at some point because I, I felt like the core of it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it was very limited at the at, at launch. I was actually mm-hmm. I was pretty bummed out to sort of see how. I don't know, tap it over reception it got to hear that the player base was like so low that they had to drop in bots. Um, Cause I, I think again, there's like the skeleton of a really cool game there. It's somewhere between, you know, rocket league and a battle Royale, which I, but I think, I think there's something that something very like cool and sort of toyetic about that. And there's obviously like yeah. they spent a lot of time making this game and yeah, I don't know. I hope they, I hope they keep supporting it. it it's good to see they're still supporting it. And I like, to me, it seems crazy. We haven't gotten PlayStation character, uh, crossovers yet but maybe maybe that's down the line after they uh y- you know continue to to fix things to the point where they feel it, it it's the game that they want the player base to be enjoying but uh yeah definitely definitely something i want to jump back into because it's been a while um but let's let's finally get into some of the the bigger news stories for the week um on the playstation side specifically uh and that is uh some news broke this morning of playstation sales success uh we learned that the PS5 has officially crossed the 10 million sales mark, uh, despite console shortages uh, and everything. Uh, it's worth noting, uh, this puts it still continues to be ahead of the PS4 uh, in terms of sales. It continues to be the fastest selling console. By, one, it, by one month, it beat, by it one beat month. the PS4 record to 10 million. Yeah, yeah. the, the PS4 hit that uh, in, I believe it was like August 14th or something. And that's like with with supply shortages and a pandemic. And yeah, well, it's it's fascinating because it's sort of it, it feels like the entire conversation around the next gen consoles has been um, supply shortages, uh, chip shortages that are global and will extend to possibly 2023 scalpers like crazy. And it, it's it's 
odd anecdotally because it didn't feel like at the time of the PS4 that it felt like those conversations were dominating those launches in the same way they are now. But apparently they were and things were just as difficult back then. But somehow the PS5 has sold more than the PS4 in the exact same time frame by, you know, by a month. But still, that's 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 very impressive. That that comes down to just the the, like the logistics of e-commerce versus a brick and mortar retailer. And the fact that when the PS4 launched, brick and mortar was a lot bigger. It was a lot stronger. And going into a store and walking out with 15 PS4s is a lot trickier than having somebody else drive them to your house, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's also worth noting that there was if you look at some of the more prominent um, stores, uh, brick and mortar stores in in North America, there were stores like GameStop, which were, you know, arguing for a little while in in the sort of peak of the pandemic that they were an office supply chain in order to kind of cook the books and stay open um, through uh, the lockdowns and mandates. And, And so like that's that's always been a thing that's been very, very different about this console lifecycle is that people are shopping in stores less and you have less of an opportunity to even see these consoles on shelves. Like, I don't know if you're a GameStop manager or something like that, let us know in the comments, like how many do you, you guys get consoles yeah. in store? Like, do they even, cause I, <laughs> I've never seen one. I've never seen an extra gen console on a store shelf. I've heard anecdotally that in Europe, there's a lot of people that have seen like the series S seems to be of the, of the three new ones. The ones that like you actually might walk in a store and see it behind glass somewhere, well, you know, like, like with your run, own it's eyes. It's like the run of the generation, you know. It's definitely like, oh, you want this little. It doesn't have a. It doesn't have a disc drive, and it's not as fast, but it's it'll play the games if you want, mm-hmm. but not as pretty. But yeah, but sort uh, of still well, yeah. No, um, sort of still it's, well, yeah. Also, it's just weird to like, like to to that point. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, like when I, I haven't even. It hasn't even occurred to me to look into getting a a Series X through a physical store. Right. I mean, I, I've obviously like I think while trying to frantically add to cart in like Target or whatever, I've I've seen like oh like in store pickup like maybe that's a loophole or something. But I mean, it's it it seems like this sort of current situation just completely bypassed all that. And I don't know. I feel like back when back when the PS4 launched, like uh, I don't know. I feel like a, no, not as many companies were competing as hard with Amazon. Like, right. Walmart wasn't Walmart was more focused on its stores and like same with you know Target and Best Buy and all that they were like oh we just got big box stores you know you can get the weird blue packages delivered by the strange man you mm-hmm. know, it's not a big deal and now it's sort of like this weird this you know massive sort of competition for that but yeah that was I still you, I mean you still had like midnight launches and stuff back then right yeah. like it was it was it was normal to see um a, across the world really like I'm you would see pictures of uh you know what's the what's the it's like a camera, the camera store in Japan where there's always just like a, there was always just like a big uh, line. Yodabashi, yeah. yeah. Yodabashi camera. Um, there was always just like a long line out there. And then there was like, people would laugh about um, how short lines were for like certain, you know, certain iterations of like the DS or an Xbox or something like that. And how long they were for other things. Like that was always fascinating to see. That was such a big part of gaming culture for the longest time. The Nintendo world store being like, you know, here's uh, that dude, Triforce who would show up every single oh, time. Yeah. With a power glove on, he'd be the first guy to get the new console. Um, that's obviously, you know, that's gone down a lot, um, partly because of e-commerce and also partly because of the pandemic. But all those factors have made a significant change in the way we uh, interact with and, and buy consoles. Um, I do want to mention, we uh, we had a really interesting op-ed up the other day that was uh, something I was totally agreeing with, that the, the process for uh, buying or securing a pre-order for the Valve Steam Deck, while still a little rickety, was like pretty night and day compared to a lot of the stuff we've seen from the next gen consoles uh, in their rollouts. Um, 
they did an interesting thing. Uh, maybe some of you saw if you're listening or watching, um, where they basically had the first round locked to uh, existing Steam users who had made a purchase prior to, I believe, June of 2021. Um, this created some weird loopholes because there were some people who'd been like, I've spent thousands of dollars on Steam. I've had an account for 10 years. I couldn't get in. Um, and obviously, uh, some of that kind of got rectified uh, with some updates and stuff like that to the store. And there was definitely a lot of like pinwheeling and hanging on the cart, hoping for the best, you know, that old thing that haunts every purchase of anything in 2021. But I do think that there was something to be said there um, that I really hope that the, 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 you know, Microsoft and Sony can figure out, like, maybe reward uh your your mm -hmm. your hardcore players first that sony experimented with that with that sort of like weird system of the, being like oh you know you can secure a place in this virtual line um that, that was that, that, was that like, didn't work hey, for me your number we should hang out sometime and then just like ghosting you know, that yeah was the, yeah the playstation direct feels like the idea of what steam was doing with the steam deck but not implemented the way steam did it with the steam deck because right, yeah, it, right. like I I got an invitation to that thing like two or three weeks after pre-orders opened up. There was there was no sort of like uh, understanding of the barometer uh, of what how people were getting in or not getting in for that. And I think the other problem was that like and Brian, I think we've said this on the show. You and I both got invitations again from PlayStation Direct right. like a month or two ago. It's like you know we've been playing on a ps5 for six We're getting months. trophies like we had <laughs> yeah. you know i you know i registered the account and everything like mm -hmm. that um, yeah, i mean i i feel like there's while there's a chip shortage and they're figuring this out i feel like maybe allocate some resources to figuring out how to dole this stuff out and circumvent people scalping it because yeah I, I like i i don't know how you know security around store websites works i i, I know it's extremely complicated and there's stuff to do it but i it seems like maybe just adding a couple extra steps to make it slightly less convenient might get in the way of those dudes who are just like sending in a robot and buying 50 of them at once. Yeah. Like it's, yeah I don't yeah. know. It's there's so much stuff on the internet that is like a pain in the ass and is like a few steps too many, but like ultimately it gets the job done or it works or whatever. Like I, I, I don't know what, what the, the buying a PlayStation version of like two factor authentication is or something, but it's like, that yeah, yeah right like prove yeah. you're a human right I, I mean that's that's frustrating I, it is it's also worth pointing out um that we got numbers from xbox yesterday saying that the the series x and s are the fastest selling consoles in xbox history so we got ourselves a good old-fashioned console war again <laughs> it's kind of awesome they didn't give sales numbers they haven't in like since like the 360 era which is frustrating as like a geek like me who loves you know like li little numbers and stats and stuff like that but yeah. um it's it's super cool to see that and then nintendo was the you know, has been the best-selling console for like the 30 30 something months in a row it's, you know pc is getting a handheld like yeah. things are kind of rad like you know yeah, like it's, it's, is, it's i mean cool. it's pretty cool to see all these different companies are, are all sort of finding success right now I, I i can't remember the last time i really saw something like that at this level you know we've said it before because you know obviously anyone the the people who want to the 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 people whose whose lives are uh, uh only an allegiance to a specific box that they play games in like we are happy when everyone is doing well because that only increases the competition and increases each company to do more interesting mm -hmm. things like yeah. when and playstation that mean, like it doesn't mean you need to compete on behalf of the company yes, it means that yeah. <laughs> ideally whoever you're rooting for will work harder to make you happy and do cool stuff right exactly 
Every uh, one of these things puts a tiny fire underneath somebody important's ass. Yeah. And that ass gets hot and they hop out of the seat and they make some decisions that ultimately uh, can and should make the consumer experience better. So yeah, this, this, this makes everything better for everybody. Yeah. I think um, it, it's something that we've seen time and again, like when PlayStation has been on the the losing side when they're not in first place in terms of sales we've seen them make a lot of really creative risks i think like a lot of the the successes that we've seen from the ps4 and now the ps5 generation uh of doubling down on what their first party studios are grew during the ps3 generation when they needed to get people over to their console because they they uh, goofed on that launch so badly like Mm -hmm. that that encourages those companies to be better and so even if playstation five is outselling xbox series x and s like if that's still doing well if the xbox is doing well and game pass is doing well and and switch is doing well playstation will continue to want to find out ways to get people to still come to playstation and that matters um i'm i'm frustrated with how sort of playstation's been messaging stuff but i'm i'm relieved to hear that this sold well you know, like I, I, there's yeah. there's always that chance that a, a system tanks and it winds up just sort of dwindling. And that's it's cool to know that that's incredibly stupid looking console sold well enough and we're going to get <laughs> new games for it. And that's good. At the same time, I also like we're seeing this gradual shift into cloud and subscription gaming. Uh, obviously, mobile's always been a big thing. It is deeply relieving to hear that console gaming is going strong, regardless yeah. of what console yeah. it is. Like that is so nice to hear because yeah. I don't like playing games on my phone. And the screen is cracked and it hurts my thumbs. The sc- it's a screen Fair protector enough. that's cracked. The screen's actually fine, but I'm too lazy to take off the screen. I mean, that's, that's, I, that's, so a, you, that's a, you're probably like, yeah. you, I, I don't know. I love playing like PlayStation remote play on my back doing real good. And my, I'll deal with my phone yes. on my own time, yes. but I'm just no. saying. Fair Console enough. gaming, there, there, was, there were definitely moments in the, like, the last 15 years where some like stuffy CEO would get up and say something that would scare all of us deeply and make us wonder like, is the future of console gaming dead? Um, and it's it's awesome to know that it's not. And it, these yeah. are going to continue to go strong. You know, I like having a a big, weird, physical, you know, box tower thing underneath my TV that, uh, you know, might look like a guy in a tuxedo. But <laughs> you, know you know what's awesome about a, a video game console is that nobody can email you on it. Like they yes. can send you a message, but very nobody's going to send you. Nobody's going to send you like a calendar invite unless you're playing Dude. some very weird indie game about calendars. You know, like I, I almost, I almost tweeted this out, but like twenty twenty one challenge or twenty twenty two challenge. Don't put Slack or Twitter or Facebook or any of that trash on your Steam Deck. Just use it to play. I know <laughs> yeah. it can. I know yeah. it's a PC. Don't do it. Don't put oh, any of that crap no. on your. Don't put it on your PS Five. Don't put it. And try to just, type with those touchpads. Like, what's wrong? <laughs> Get out of here. um regardless of of what apps we may be installing on our steam decks uh just in terms of the games people have been playing on their ps5 also to note from the sales figures uh miles morales has sold more than 6.5 million copies uh they don't specify uh console so i assume that is ps4 and ps5 combined otherwise they probably would have said otherwise um mlb the show 21 is the fastest selling title in franchise history with more than 2 million copies sold across all platforms the, I love I love this part of the press release so much. The game has reached more than four million players since launching on April sixteenth. How could that have happened if they only sold two million copies? It's almost like mm. it was available on a subscription. Oh, I won the election by a landslide. It's almost as though dead people were voting for me. 
What a you know, usually so goalpost funny. moving is something you do in soccer or football, but it's good to know that baseball can do that too. That's exactly. Yeah, it's just I, it's so that, funny they can't mention Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. That is, that is very fascinating. It's like they, we all know it's there. Like you guys put it there. You know, you made that deal. Um, that's I mean, that's got to be awesome for the studio working yeah. on it. Like you know, two million sales is tremendous for you know a a, a a sports title based on you know baseball but also four million people interacting with something that you just released a few months ago is is really really cool um can't can't understand how two million of those people are playing it without buying it there's got to be some way to know. yeah no yeah. way of also, knowing I mean, based on this, pr- this press was, release <laughs> wasn't this the first one that was this cross-platform at all yeah yeah completely yeah, yeah. Like that's so that's that's pretty huge i'd like yes yeah. like okay like mm-hmm and it's not even it was only PlayStation and Xbox, uh, but I do think that deal opens it up to Switch because Nintendo had quote tweeted that announcement about the MLB making the partnership for MLB the show to be on all things. So it'll probably come to Switch at some point in the future. Well. Right, right. Um, probably when we get a Switch Pro. But anyway, uh, also to mention from sales figures, uh, Returnal. Uh, has sold more than 560,000 copies since releasing in April. Uh, obviously, a smaller number than any of the numbers that we're dealing with. I do think it's. A, a solid number, though, for a PS5 exclusive M-rated roguelike $70 experience that really, like, quite honestly, PlayStation didn't really market that much beforehand. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't have any preview opportunities with the game. Like, I, I was able to speak with the devs one point before a state of play, but like, they didn't, you know get this in front of the press to all play months before because of the pandemic and everything, obviously like this was not a game that had a really big lead up to its launch. And so right. I think all things considered just being available on PS5 like that, I think that's a really solid uh, return on investment for that's probably, I mean, that's probably I agree. huge compared to previous like house mark numbers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, except this for like, Resogun was PS plus, wasn't it? So that probably was like, this one, obviously yeah. I would say probably cost more to make than the others, but um, that is yeah. like, you're saying that's, that's awesome. It's huge for them. Um, there was a lot of like really positive buzz around this game. It got really good reviews, but there was also like a lot of sort of like, you know, uh, people talking about how it's really, really hard and how it, uh, you can't save and your system might update and you'll lose your run. There's a lot of like, not necessarily like negative bud buzz, but there was like some caveats around this game when it launched. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that it found its voice and found its place because like telling an overwhelmingly mainstream video game audience that your game is hard as hell and will kick your ass and sometimes forget where you were uh, is not exactly the biggest selling point for the average consumer that, you know, just wants a story driven video game. But I'm glad that hard games are selling well because I have a, this game rules. I have like a sneaking suspicion that if, even if this game sort of gets like lost in the, the shuffle it, or doesn't become like a, a, you know, classic greatest hits, I think it's definitely going to be one of those games that people are always like, this was super underrated, like yeah. uh, Sleeping Dogs or Vanquish or something that they just bring up in those. What about this? You forgot about this. Nobody <laughs> talks about this. And it's, you know, and I think cool it's- also people keep talking about it, too, either way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I think it's also going to set the stage for their success. Like, I think a, a lot of, for me, it's launch and, and seeing it, one, review so well and, and sell well, I, I think is like, finally, Housemark pushing through to a, a new level. And especially now being a proper first party studio with Sony, I think we're going to see a lot of awesome stuff from them in the future. Yeah. Um, last note on sales, Ratchet & Clank has sold 1.1 million copies since launching in June, which of course is awesome to see. It debuted at number one on MPD for June, uh, which is North American sales. 
and over a million copies already uh, is is so awesome to see. I, I think one thing that's funny about all of these sales numbers is is just a thought I had is like, obviously, these are all really great numbers. The last console launch we had really to compare anything to was the Switch. And, you know, amusingly, Breath of the Wild sold more copies than there were Switches. Uh, and it's that funny thing of who bought two copies of that game? <laughs> who would do such there were a some silly people in the office? You know, I don't know. Nintendo who. voice chat There's every week to find ones. out. The cool <laughs> people on the show. Who's no, I bought it. Say? I bought it yeah. digitally, and I bought the Masters Collection. We, yeah, we were on an episode of NBC once when we were just kind of like, "Wow, that's crazy!" And everyone on the show was like, "Did you buy it? Twi- did you buy it digitally, and you bought the box with the plastic sword in it?" Oh man, guilty. Yeah, it's it's just such a funny thing because like I think attach rate has been a thing more so in previous generations, but a thing that often got talked about in in terms of like mm-hmm. console success. And well, like I mean, we just learned that the PS5 sold 10 million units, and 1.1 million of those units have Ratchet and Clank on them in some form. Yeah, mm-hmm. which and is like yeah, that's huge. That's awesome. Nine million of you need to get it together and get that game. What is going on? That game rules. Exactly. Well, that's just the funny thing. It's like, you know, there's however many Switches and, and Animal Crossing has sold 20 million. That leaves a lot of Switch people who are 20 plus. Uh, there's still so many people on Switch who haven't played the biggest game on Switch, but this is something where it's like Ratchet is the PS5 game to get and nine tenths of the audience hasn't gotten it yet. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a... That's not to say oh man, Ratchet's failing. It's just like people buy PlayStations and Xboxes for so many different experiences, whereas I think you tend to see attach rates on Nintendo be higher because people mm-hmm. are going for the Nintendo games. Um, right. Well, Which is mostly me to say because I've seen some people being like, but what about all of the other people who have PS5, PS5 not buying Ratchet? It's like I mean, people if, are buying it to play Madden and Call of Duty and Fortnite. <laughs> like, if by some miracle we see more PS5s actually come out this holiday season... That sounded like a commercial when I said it that way, but I, we're inevitably going to see a lot of people picking up Ratchet and Clank because yeah, it's like a you know, sure. family game. And also, I, I think it's also the kind of game that people were like curious about. Like, I, I mean, I, I like, you know, I got a code for it to talk about on the show. But like, if you were like, would you pay 70 bucks for this game? I'd be like, maybe wait for 50, you know, maybe 60, you know, like, I don't know. It's it's to, to buy that game like full prices um, if you're not like actually going after ratchet and clank is kind of like eh, i don't know about that i feel like i don't know miles morales at day one i'll be like hell yeah give me that you know? right yeah and I th- that that did launch at a reduced price point compared to the others i I do wonder what that 70 dollar tag is doing to the average consumer i mean yeah. like yeah, yeah i'm for sure for <laughs> sure um i like i i wonder if if that investment is something that paid off for sony so far um that was a that was a you know bold move cotton like i don't really know if they can say declaratively that getting that extra ten dollars on every uh you know video game sold is a better deal than selling more of those games at sixty dollars like somebody somewhere is crunching those numbers um but like i i do think that with a game like returnal that's definitely a thing that kind of gives you pause for a second where you're like Hmm, 70 bucks for this game i'm not sure i mean i like i love that game and i i'm i'm, I'm happy to support a game at, at, a, at a price like that but i'm happier to support it at 60 seeing you know games across the industry go for 60 bucks and on the playstation side go for 70 i do think that at 60 you might have seen some higher sales numbers here but i do think that all these games like max said they're gonna have a long tail right like you only sold not only but 10 million uh ps5 sold so far i imagine they're aiming at you know multiply that number by 10 by the end of the life cycle right like you could easily see, see them going for 100 million playstation 5 units sold by the end seven eight years from now um or more right like we've seen the last few consoles eclipse that 
I I do wonder if they're going to drop that price eventually. Like I I I I think that you could sell a lot more games with a slightly lower I mean eventually entry point, I, right? That's that's kind of it though. It's like if you I don't know, like early adopting is expensive. That's yeah. just how it is and it's 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 funny because you're seeing I don't it's even just the fact that like oh if you want the you want to upgrade from last gen it's 10 bucks. Like the 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 pricing breakdown for the Ghost of Tsushima like director's cut is just it's hilarious because it's just like, well, no matter how you go about buying it, they want that 10 bucks. They want that extra 10 bucks. Right. And it's worth noting, like this is this has been a thing happening. People have been experimenting with that side of things for a while. Nintendo, like famously, when they wanted you to uh, bring your Nintendo Wii Virtual Console games over, which is like one of the most successful services they ever had to the Wii U, they charge you like a, a, a dollar upgrade fee. And it was like, why? You know, like. Yeah, that's asinine. Well, like, you know, there's an actual like, they, sure, but like, no. Yeah. They listened to players and didn't charge them any upgrade fee because they didn't let us carry our, our virtual console games over. Yeah. And instead yeah. put nothing on the... But no, I, I totally get what you Which mean. Which is the it's, opposite of a solution, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, it, it's a really weird situation because I like, you know, we've talked about, and I think it is totally fair to say on the show, like games are more expensive to make than ever, especially at the scope that companies do and also feel i think the pressure to to satisfy the audience to to make these games worth it and so like on paper like we've said the 70 dollars price point makes sense for them to go to or have gone to eventually because games are just naturally getting more expensive but right. yeah i think we're it'll be interesting to see how that plays off in the long run especially when you have xbox saying pay us 10 15 bucks a month and you get all of our games mm-hmm. um, and it's also that's like if that was like an all-you-can-eat buffet of physical copies, there'd definitely be like, oh, they have to pay for that like physical of copy course, that yeah. don't get sold. It's set on a store shelf, but that's not the case. It's it's like they got infinite ammo there. It's like it's a it's a it's a file, you know. They you're paying for server bandwidth or whatever, but they have, you know, they they're not they're not out money if people don't get games. You know, like if they pay right. fifteen bucks and just sit on it and don't play anything, it's like not like Microsoft is like, oh, we got to get rid of all these copies of links the time sweeper or whatever uh, <laughs> but yeah it's uh it, it's really great sales i think to see across the board you know i think we're just sort of getting into the the minutia of what, what all these things mean i like huge huge congrats to all the the first party teams who have been creating really really awesome games at a time that like it is a little bit of a risk to make a next gen only game because you know it's just going to inherently have a smaller audience so to see yeah. something like ratchet and clank and returnal do so well uh, to see these cross-gen games performing so well as, uh, as in addition, it's it's really awesome to see. And you know, we have obviously a few really big cross-gen ones coming up. So I'm sure God of War, Horizon, Gran Turismo probably going to also do pretty well. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be really curious to see, especially with uh, chip shortages continuing to be expected. Uh, just to briefly mention, um, the Intel CEO uh, in a I believe it was like a quarterly earnings report last week said they think the chip shortage will affect the supply chain as far as until 2023, um, which obviously is probably a little longer than any company would want. Uh, it's right. something that, um, you know, I, I think we see the story change probably month to month a little bit as forecasts change. Obviously, the companies want to look good for investors, but we're in we're in a weird place where I think the reality of it is, is that supply is going to be constrained for not just, you know, the next month or two, but perhaps the next year or so. 
I don't know who this chip shortages guy is. I knew I you were going to. He's the biggest nuisance to the industry since Michael transactions. The, the, the These second, men must be stopped. Jonathan, the second you said chip shortages, the, I, my my brain went to like a 70s baseball player. And I knew Max was giggling about it, too. God. And chip shortages making his way to second base. Second base, can he make a chip in for the win? Worst um, name. Chip shortages. Like, how much would you have been made fun of with the name chip shortages? Um. I don't know, but you can review them on Robert Tomatoes, which is my <laughs> my aggregate review website. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's something that I think is going to be a asterisk on the story, regardless going forward. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see see all of this play out because obviously they want to sell as many consoles as they can because that just means more people will be able, able to buy these games. But it lines up with PlayStation's recent comment, or not recent, but last year, I believe they made the comment of like, they see their cross-gen sort of wind down as a like two to three year strategy. Um, and so this kind of neatly lines up with that. So we'll see what happens. Um, just to blow through a, a couple other news stories as well, just to mention PlayStation Plus games for August were announced. They include the previously confirmed uh, by the last state of play, Hunters Arena, Colon Legends. I, I was not sure where the colon was in there. Uh, Plants for Zombies, Battle for Neighborville, and Tennis World Tour 2. Exciting sequel. That is the PlayStation Plus lineup. Um, I'm, I'm bummed. Like, uh, Hunter's Arena Legends is something that is debuting on PlayStation Plus. Like, it, it's cool, again, to see an, ind uh, an indie Battle Royale-ish game uh, as a PlayStation Plus launch game. I sometimes with these the other two games, it just feels like they spin a roulette wheel and whatever lands they decide to put in. Um, I've always felt like PlayStation Plus is a great opportunity to surface games that either didn't get a, quite the love they needed to at launch or can launch with a wider audience. And it's weird to sometimes see something like a Plants for Zombies game as and tennis. My favorite is when they know. when they drop a game that is like that has a sequel on the way. You know, or it's sort of to, to sort of build yeah. hype for something or like, yeah, oh, you didn't miss cool. the last one? Jump on this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are that's always a great use of the service. I'll, I'll mess with this game. Um, Hunter Arena. Hunter's Arena. Yes, yeah. it is. It's it seriously feels like a like algorithmically generated video game title from like one of those like it's like machine learning data. It, it just sounds you know, it's like war, war of legend, hero of duty or whatever. It'd be like, OK, that's sounds like some some shit from you know what i call it three. i call it them's fighting woods, fighting woods. <laughs> i mean it also just to help sort of the how do we get less sales for our game let's, <laughs> let's go with this thing them's fighting woods it is you know 30... that like that saying them's fighting words that no one has said since cowboy times is it a cowboy game absolutely not it's not about like space really. samurais and pandas and stuff wizards i mean if there was a, a cowboy hero in this game i would not be right. surprised um you know to to evoke that feeling that we've all had in the back of a saloon when somebody <laughs> tips your drink over and, and your spittoon falls on the ground and they push you and you get in an argument and then you go that's fighting words Hunter's Arena Legends is a 30-player PvP and PvE combat-based battle royale that is set in an ancient age in which humanity battles each other as well as a growing legion of demons that have been unleashed upon the world, combining RPG, MOBA, and many other genres. Wow. It's a wow. lot of word soup, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I, it, it looks fun. Cool. Yeah. 
Like I, I think all, what the what that title and description hides is that there's a lot of humor in this game. There's like funny large pig men, and there's people that come out in wrestling costumes and stuff like that. So I think that like they're gonna they're gonna get goofy out the gate, which is gonna get um not the character from Disney and Kingdom Hearts goofy, but I think they'll like get you know sort of uh, stylistically thematically goofy. If you look at something like PUBG, like I, to me, there's like a massive tonal disconnect there because they that started off as like a gruff game where a bunch of dudes that look exactly like me ran around with assault rifles and they hid in buildings and they, you know they had to find parachutes and stuff like that and then slowly over time they're like oh man fortnite's doing all this crazy stuff over there let's get you know like let's get a bunch of weird wackadoo characters in here and if you like i booted up PUBG a couple of weeks ago to play around just to be like where are you guys at these days they're like li like literal clown costumes like running around and i was like well this has changed so i like the idea of a battle royale launching and just being kind of humorous and weird out the gate um because i think that there's be a, there'll be a lot of room for growth there assuming that people latch on to this one i'm really yeah. i'm really curious to see what this looks like in action because this feels like the sort of the trailer version of like bull shots like it's just mm -hmm. there's no hud you know it's all clearly like in-game camera it's very stylized and I, I i don't know like what what does it look like when people are playing it you know obviously yeah. there's some yeah. gameplay in here but it's very mm -hmm. it's very curated and you know stylized we're seeing almost clearly like all of their finisher or special power, like special moves, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Like the, that's definitely what the trailer is focused. Yeah. On. Like, are yeah. you going to have like a life bar? Are there going to be numbers flying out of people? Is it going to be like a lock on? Like, I don't know. I don't is, know. It's yeah. I guess is I'll check a, it out with on PlayStation plus is now that sounded like a commercial. Is this, gonna, <laughs> is this going to be a free to play game? Like eventually, like, like what is the sort of perceived value of us it's getting like how it? How much is it? Yeah. Like as if it's free to play, then telling us it's part it's of PlayStation again? Plus. Hunter's Agency of Legends or something. Legend of War Arena Two. It is on. <laughs> no, it's because uh, it's. It is on Steam as well. It's been in early access since last year, uh, and it costs twenty bucks. So it, okay, it is something you purchase. Yeah, it's not. I think free it's okay. It's obviously really smart. Um, I mean, this is what I was hoping would happen with uh, Destruction All-Stars is, and I mean, it happened, it happened with Rocket League, it happened with Fall Guys. It's like, if you launch on something that is semi-free, you know, you get people who are just like moderately curious. I think that's a great, you know, it's basically crack dealer logic. You know, your first, your first little sample is free and then it's, you know, your next thing you know, you're buying crazy hats, but yeah, <laughs> you know, I feel like yeah. that's moderately preferable to just flat out free to play because, you know, free to play stuff usually comes out swinging, trying to like earn its money back but if this is like oh it's you know 20 bucks and maybe there's other things you can spend money on mm -hmm. that's yeah well, it, it's also it's it's coming to ps4 playstation plus users as well so i think that's it's going to have a different ideally a different scenario than what we saw with like destruction all-stars where it's not locked to one specific console um there is a chance for them to reach a wider audience with that so maybe it will be successful that's yeah that'd be cool we, we've definitely seen a few of the there's been this back and forth of some games have launched uh, PS5 only on PS Plus. Some have been cross gen. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's good for them to be on both gens for sure. Uh, hopefully we'll help the player base be there when we go to check it out. next. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on from there, did want to also mention uh, we got a little bit of word of what uh, former PlayStation Studios head uh, Sean Layden is up to. He's joined a company called Streamline Media Group. Uh, he's joined their advisory board. I will fully admit I had not heard of them before this announcement, um, but they seem to partner with a wide range of different companies um, listed by them. I want to pull it up, but they've worked with kind of everyone across the board from, you know, Capcom to WB to Xbox to Amazon to Epic. Uh, the, the, like the list goes on of their partners. I don't exactly know the full extent with each project they've worked on, but they they clearly seem to want to do things around the industry. 
Uh, so Sean Layden was talking a little bit to gamesindustry.biz about joining uh, the company and and talked a little bit about, I think the thing that's made the most headlines was his uh, a little bit of a discussion about his views on uh, one consolidation, aka acquisitions, and um, Game Pass and, and sort of that model. So just briefly to bring it up, uh, on consolidation, he said, uh, consolidation is the enemy of diversity in some ways. It takes a lot of playing pieces off the table as they grow into these larger conglomerates. And again, we end up with this problem with diversity. Um, it, it seems like his big thing is, I, I, I mean, we didn't see PlayStation under his leadership acquire a lot of studios. <laughs> um, and we're not seeing PlayStation go crazy with acquisitions in the way that we've seen Xbox really, really uh, right. shore up. But I mean, it, it is, it's the give and take. It's like these these companies need to give people reasons to buy their services. It's the same way in like, once all of the other, uh, you know, movie and TV studios started making their own streaming services, Netflix really needed to double down and figure out what their IPs were because suddenly they lost Friends and The Office and things like that. And so uh, PlayStation, Xbox, everyone needs to figure out what the things are that bring people to their company. But at the same time, too much, uh, too, too much conglomeration, too much of everything coming together. Uh, can create those monopolies that can then be a problem. Um, yeah, it was kind of awesome to read stuff from him again. Like I, I realized how sort of I mean we all know just how integral and how important he was to the voice of the PlayStation brand and their sort of like you know their their spirit all through the PS4 generation. Like the, Sean Layden had such a wonderful, commanding but also incredibly endearing stage presence. Like watching him do you know press conferences and e3s and stuff like that like the fact that him reggie and phil spencer all joined the stage at you know i believe it was the 2019 game awards um ended that year uh it also I, you know reggie and and sean Layden ended up moving on to becoming you know heads of boards and stuff like that and, and you know and the games industry changed a lot after that like it i i don't think that you know i i don't think that it's it's been the same at all in a lot of in a lot of ways um and that, that sort of like was a really magical time capsule to see the three of them on stage together and there's just like so many e3s and and playstation conferences where he came out and spoke and he's he always seemed like thoughtful and caring and somebody that genuinely believed in indie games he genuinely believed in uh experimentation and and new ideas um when he talks about diversity he's talking about the sort of library of different of different games that players can and should experience on PlayStation. And it's not just the big, you know, heavy AAA ones. It's it's also the smaller ones that sort of like help define what what that console can and, and should be. And I like I love that and I miss that. Not to yeah, say they're not doing that anymore, but um Sean Layden was awesome and he's no, just great. Just to back this up, I just sorry I've been squinting over here. I have no idea what Streamline Studios actually does. This is I'm looking at the Wikipedia. It's the most one of the most confusing, vague mysterious things i've seen on there and it's like they've clearly have worked on a bunch of games but they also say their partners include capcom microsoft okay coca-cola question mark square enix huh bbc sport and then balenciaga the luxury fashion brand yeah i i don't quite get what they do uh streamline is dedicated according to their website to forging the lines between video games and enterprise solutions Great ideas are developed by great teams that are inspired, supported, and realistic about what it takes to bring a vision to reality. Our services include art, design, engineering, and software development, QA, localization, and full game development. 
wonder if there's so, just like a go between yeah, go between for outsourcing seems Maybe. like it yeah yeah it, like I, either yeah. a go between or they have you know some internal uh employees who do that stuff as well it, mm-hmm. it is hard the to weird, get a weird thing is sense. they have they have developed they have shipped one game which is hoop world the 2010 we wear game oh wow i vaguely remember that oh. <laughs> yeah time, it's, it's time super weird to be revival. like We've worked with this incredible array of different studios and companies, and here's a you know our portfolio. And then it's all like we also made Hoop World. It's like Hoop <laughs> the World. One game. <laughs> yeah, a uh, little bit of a weird one, but yeah, uh, Layden was also he he did a big interview with Games Industry and uh, around him joining Streamline and mentioned uh, some comments. He he seems a bit skeptical of things like subscription services for Game Pass, saying, "quote uh, it's very hard to launch a $120 million game on a subscription service charging $9.99 a month. You pencil it out, you're going to have to have 500 million subscribers before you start to recoup your investment. That's why right now you need to take a loss leading position to try to grow that base. But still, if you only have if you have only 250 million consoles out there, you're not going to get to half a billion subscribers. So how do you circle that square? Nobody has figured that out yet. Um, well, I I I do have some issues with that because I, I think that that's a, a very linear approach to subscription models because I, historically those have been locked specific specifically to the console sales. Yeah. And I think that ultimately what these companies and I believe what Xbox has already outwardly stated that they want to do is bring those subscription models to television, set top boxes, phones and all that. So it's not just like to, in order to subscribe to this, there's a $500 entry fee. Um, it's also uh, undermines the fact that there are a lot of games that go to PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Now and Game Pass that also get sold to consumers. Like those are not just like, you know, stores where people just peruse and they never buy. Um, there's a lot of games that sell really well. Like we've seen in the past, there are, there are a lot of developers that have straight up said like, our, our games, our game sales were helped by Game Pass. They were not hurt. Um, I don't know if that's a thing that happens across the board, but I, I do think that like that's that's something that Sony can and should be looking towards as well. Like if they put a game on play, on PS Plus, um, you know, obviously Game Pass is different because the games do disappear, and on PS Plus you own those games forever. PS Now is a different story though, right? Like they cycle games in all the time. There are regularly times where they were like, "Hey, uh, this is a game coming to PS Now," and then a month or two later they'd be like, "It's gone." I remember they did that with a God of War, uh, God of War a couple years ago, um, and so. I th- I don't think it's as cut and cut and, cut and dry as just like you can't reach that many people because it's just console sales. I think there's ways to reach people through subscription services that are bigger than console sales, and I think that's what all of the leading console manufacturers are going to be looking into finding over the next few years. I mean, it's it feels like when like when Netflix first popped up, like yeah. with streaming, where it's it's it does seem kind of too good to be true. But in the case of Microsoft, like they obviously have some pretty you know full coffers to fall back on. Like they're they're definitely not. They're not a, you know, they're not like a, you know, plucky little startup. They're Microsoft. And <laughs> yeah. Again, like, you know, your, to your point, like the getting Game Pass on streaming platforms, getting that on, on, on TVs, on phones. That's like, that's, I feel like we can't even comprehend that, you know, in the same way. The hell was that? One Sorry. of your toys just jumped <laughs> yeah. off the shelf. Goddamn Cygor. Anyway. Boba um, <laughs> Boba um, you know, like it. it it i feel like when when netflix first rolled around like obviously there was the whole mail in your dvd model that seemed wacky and too good to be true in its in itself and then it was like oh yeah you can watch like a bunch of movies on your laptop and they work and like we right. couldn't like we couldn't even kind of grasp that and it's it's just it's hard to even think about but 
it was, and it was happening so quickly in real time that I don't think we really under knew, understand like the gravity of it all. Um, and that, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's, that's why when we were reporting on that, um, sort of like, you know, hidden image in the source code, Ghost of Tsushima on Netflix or whatever. Um, and we were all theorizing, like, maybe they'll bring PlayStation now to Netflix. I don't think that door is closed forever. I think that's like the kind of thing where like, it's, it's small, it's, it's, it's sort of small minded to assume that the only way to reach players is through video game consoles. Um, that's a very antiquated way of the way that these products and these services roll out now. Because if Sony does one day go PlayStation Now as an app on Roku TV, then who cares about PS5 sales, right? I mean, we do because we'll st still keep buying it. <laughs> but then you can offset the cost with subscribers over there too. So I don't know. It'll I mean, it'll be cool to see that like, grow. Blu-ray sales are still a thing. Like people yeah. still buy physical media. You know, vinyl like, sales, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's I, I, what are they going to put like God of War on a cartridge or something? Do like the old old school approach? I'd yeah. buy it. Yeah, I'd buy that. Uh, um, I, <laughs> you've made a sale, Max. Congrats. Uh, no, yeah, I think uh, it, I, I, I understand sort of the logic he's going through. And obviously, we are not people who have ever run a company, uh, you know, been at the head of something as big as PlayStation Studios. But I, I do think like the, the approach that uh, Phil Spencer and the Xbox team is taking with Game Pass is not just to get a one-to-one -one of every Xbox owner is a Game Pass owner. I think they're looking at every Game Pass owner is an Xbox player. And mm -hmm. that's, I mm -hmm. think it's, obviously they're probably going to take a bit of a loss on things in order to get where they need to. Like you, you both were saying, like that's the, the way Netflix operated. And I think still might, but did for a very long time of not operating at a profit. And uh, it'll, it'll be very curious to see how PlayStation pivots if they do in the coming years. Um, it's, it's also really, really quickly, but it's also not a guaranteed yeah. win forever. We saw half a million subscribers dipped out of Netflix since the pandemic started because of, you know, other streaming sites came in um, with, you know, elbows out and they started putting some really cool stuff out there. Disney plus reached uh, around like 45, 50% of the same subscriber base that Netflix has in two years. Like it helped. They have a lot of recognizable IPs, which yeah. obviously Microsoft scooping up a bunch of studios is uh, smart on a, you know, having games front. But at the same time, it also is kind of future proofing yourself for the next time, you know, a studio or a publisher is like, hey, why don't we start our own streaming service where we can stream just our games? Like, obviously, we've already got, you know, there are a few, uh, you know, Steam competitors. There's, you know, Uplay and uh, or whatever they changed the name of the Ubisoft one to. And there's EA Origin. And it's like everybody kind of wants to have their own proprietary little little community little you know little platform there and i th i feel like we're going to see that that shift with with streaming or with you know with subscription based stuff playstation yeah. does have spider-man people love that guy spider-man does one. go a long way um move it moving on from there just to quickly mention as well uh it just because it broke in between episodes uh aloy is crossing over to genshin impact which i just find wonderful and delightful not that i've played genshin impact yet but i will uh, to play as Aloy there because uh, it's whenever good. She, whenever she guest stars and things, it's cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a that's a really funny story because like Breath of the Wild and Horizon launched within a week or two of each other, uh, and Genshin Impact is like very clearly heavily inspired by Breath of the Wild, and uh, seeing Aloy from Horizon jump over into like the, what started as like sort of a Breath of the Wild clone and obviously has become is its own thing is just funny to me. Like that's yeah, just it's. It's like a wonderful that. confluence of things. And yeah, she's, um, you know, she has cameoed in Fortnite, now Genshin, Monster Hunter World. I sort of love that she has become like the PlayStation mascot to <laughs> be jumping through so many different places because it's not who I necessarily would have thought of. But I, 
I love that uh, this series, you know, only being one game in has become such a force that they feel like Aloy I can love, appear in things. And it makes I sense. love video game guest appearances because I feel like they're unlike they're unlike stuff you see in most other mediums with the exception of maybe sitcoms, you know, where right. there's like, oh, like Urkel's on Full House or you know, <laughs> like, but it's, it's, it, you know, you see, you know, you'll frequently see like celebrity guest stars in you know, shows or, you know, somebody from one movie shows up in another movie, but it's, it's rarely, it's rarely like a character from a different universe who just decides to drop by. Like it feels yeah. very much like playing with action figures and not really caring if there's a style guide or a rule set to be like, oh yeah, like Yoda's Dude, Soul uh, Calibur, you know? <laughs> Yacht, Yacht Club, creators of Shovel Knight, love those dudes. They uh, put out this thing recently, which was basically like a wiki page of all of Shovel Knight's appearances in games since the original Shovel Knight launched, which is, you know, several years ago now, I believe like six or seven years ago. And it's just like dozens and dozens of games. He was in like an Arby's kids meal. Like it's just all this stuff that you're like, wait a so minute. Cool. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, so yeah. awesome to see. Right. Shovel Knight and Elden Ring. I want to see. <laughs> Hell yeah. I would bring Aloy to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, hey, we may get there one day, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's awesome to see her uh, crossing over yet again. And yeah, I want to, I want to jump into Genshin at some point anyway. So this seems like a good excuse to, mm -hmm. uh, just to wrap up all of the, the news of everything. Cause there's been a lot. Uh, just to quickly, quickly mention, yes, we are aware Blue Box is teasing the app going up on PlayStation 5, I believe preloading it for the end of this month and, and happening sometime early August, uh, and that their latest tease included a person with an eye patch on it, is somewhat Metal Gear. Like, I don't want to spend too much time on this until, honestly, we, we just know whatever the game is, because it, it, it can lead down a conspiracy hole. But just to know, let the audience know, we're aware of it. Um, I don't really love the marketing at this point for this game uh, and would just like to know what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to, to, to echo that, I, I think it's like, you know, like it, the audience, you are, you've been whipped into a frenzy by this and some of you have taken it too far, but a lot of you uh, are justifiably like, okay, where there's smoke, there's fire here. And they just keep putting out smoke um, or solidus, I guess in this case. And it's just a little, it's a little frustrating. And so, yeah, just put the thing out. I, I, I really hope they don't just like delay this thing again. And then like, you know, it's a picture of a cardboard box and it says like, oh, coming soon. Like just I'm 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 with you all. I'm tired of it. I just want to know what this is or isn't um, hearing like hearing that a, that a, a, a trailer app, like a playable trailer app is getting delayed. I feel like completely defeats the purpose. Like you should sit on that information until it's ready to go. And then you say, yeah. here's this thing teasing something in advance. Yeah, like it's to be like, oh, here's an IOU for an IOU note. Like, just I don't. Yeah, the the whole rollout, like regardless of the the teases themselves, has also just been a, a bit of a mess, and, and mm -hmm. it's gotten to a point where it feels like it's just knowingly disingenuous, continuously so. And, and yes, frustrating. If it ends up being the things everyone wants it to be, cool. I don't. I still won't have loved the road to get there, but at least those things will exist. When it's probably not those things, I. Yeah, it's it's the, just a, the the margin of benefit of the doubt for the developers here is has rapidly been shrinking um, from my perspective. Uh, I hope they deliver something cool. I'm yeah. I'm yeah, I'm I'm not really interested in theorizing what it is or isn't anymore because I just want it to be here. It's 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 frustrating, frankly, at this point yeah. and like a, a, a vaguely annoying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, to wrap things up, I do want to just uh, do some rapid fire questions from the audience. We uh, got a few in. I asked on Twitter. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Uh, just a few to wrap things up. Ben asked, 
With the success of Ratchet and Clank, Astrobot, and Sackboy, do you think Sony is looking to bring back other 3D platformers from their past? And I, I will widen this more to ask you both: Do you feel like PlayStation is going to put a bigger emphasis on family-friendly stuff? Because obviously, a lot of their first-party things tend to tend to lean M-rated. Yes. What do you both think? I, I think when you consider how many of their M-rated franchises are like grown father figures. It's kind of acknowledging that you've got an audience that is, you know, approaching the age of having kids. And like, I don't know, like, I'm going to be looking at it. I'm a few years out from being like, oh, is this game appropriate to play in front of my kid? Oh, you know, <laughs> will my child enjoy this? We're jumping and collecting coins or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's it's I, I like I want, you know, I've, I've had that thought about like, oh, like, what's going to be my like my daughter's first, uh, you know, video game console. And like part of me wants to be like, you're going to be a PlayStation player. But it's like get you like i'm gonna get you a nintendo thing you know like whatever they're dealing with this you know the switch pro xl or whatever they have in whatever mm-hmm. that is and like i would love to see i'd love to see sony do more of that i think but it, i you know i'm like a i guess i guess i'm like already sort of thinking like as a parent but also as a as a as a me you know like i want i want more gruff violent games but i also I, there's room for both yeah. um i don't think either should be left high and dry yeah, I, I think looking at the, the Ratchet and Clank sales, if those continue to thrive, then you're going to have Sony saying, hey, like, you know, let's let's dig into the back catalog a little bit here and see what we can bring out. That's something that like you you start, like w- once Nintendo got their Mario's and Zelda's out of the way, they were like, OK, what's the sort of like B and C and D tier Nintendo stuff that we can that we can elevate and bring and bring out? And I think that like the fact that we started off this generation with we've already gotten a new spider-man we've already gotten a new ratchet we've we're you know we're getting a new god of war we're getting a new horizon those are all confirmed half of those are already on shelves um or on your console already and a bunch of others um it means that like this is the long tail here is we have seven or eight more years in this console generation at least and we're going to start to see a lot of really cool stuff like it's really really exciting to know that we might get two ratchet games this generation you know we might get another spider-man game this generation like you know, we might get more mascot platformers. They might cross if the... we don't get another Spider-Man game. This me too. That's, <laughs> me too. That, yeah, that would yeah, be that'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do. Th- I do think we'll see the Sly Coopers again. Like I do think, uh, you know, maybe we will see the Jack and Daxters. Like uh, maybe though, those won't come from the original studios that worked on them. But there's no shortage of incredibly talented studios underneath Sony right now that that could, you know, conceivably take on one of those things. You've heard it here first. Reddit confirmed. Sly Cooper and Jack and Daxter are both officially coming back to the PS4. Right. And we're getting and yeah. And we're getting a brand new Metal Go game from the abandoned team. So I think that like things are really no, I'm just kidding. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) Kojima making Ape Escape as his next game was unforeseen, but I'm interested. You know what? Uh, That would be so much fun. You've so much fun. What's weird is there's a lot of interesting Ape Escape devs partners I would love to see. Like a Kojima Ape Escape would honestly be amazing. Uh, obviously, the Astrobot team is perfect for Ape Escape in my mind. Like, there's weirdly Ape Escape could work well, but yeah, I, I, I want to see you. a realistic Ape Escape. I want like Metal Gear Solid Five, but it's Ape Escape. Yep, right next you know, you to get the... A, the apes are they're all very dusty. Wasn't there like a part in Metal Gear Solid Five where you had to catch apes or something? Am I dreaming that you had to catch like a bear or something? There was some. Well, that's a different animal um, than a <laughs> there was ape, some animal but... that sent you out. There wasn't apes in that game, was there? 
was it dogs? What did they send you out the woods? They're like, Snake, we need a bunch of these things. And this I, can, I you know what? This, can, this, you, we've got a weekend coming up. This can be your puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> what animal was it? Uh, we'll find out the answer next week. Um, yeah, I think there's totally room for it, especially as you both were saying. Like, we're so early in the generation, we're all getting so many of the biggest hits. They need stuff to supply for the next few years. And I, yeah, big, like, family friendly stuff can have a home on playstation again and be just as popular so i'd love to see it i'd love sly to come back i'd love more Sackboy, more astrobot ratchet all of it uh but yeah we'll see what happens uh bridget asked considering it's almost august and e3 season is nearing its end do you think sony would still have will still have a big showcase this year like they did in 2020 i'm gonna say no i think we got it i think that was it i think the one we got was it and it was you know death loop and then some uh, some cereal prizes that were in the box of death loops. Like that's pretty mm-hmm. much, that was, that was it. Um, which is, you know, it's a bummer. Like, I'll be honest with you, but it's also like, they don't like a lot of, like a lot of big studios. They don't feel like they need to play by the traditional rules anymore. And if they're breaking records and, and then mm-hmm. who could blame them? But like, I always say in these scenarios on a personal level, I would love one. <laughs> That'd be <Yeah>. great. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, as much as I wish there was more to talk talk about and look at, I'm also sort of I love when games have a shorter tail between announcement and release. And considering there's the sort of those two E3s back to back, was it like 2017 and 18 or something where Sony was just like, here's everything coming to PS4. And it was just this like it was all these games. And then a lot of them we had to wait a while for, you know, like right. it was a very long wait. And we we're like, where is it? What is when's it coming out? And <laughs> it got so old. <laughs> yeah, like that just I don't know that that raises expectations. And um, yeah, obviously, they're not they're not having a problem selling PlayStation fives. So that's cool. And plenty of people have PlayStation fours and you know, they know that people are going to continue to buy games and they're going to continue to make games. They've been scooping up studios. So like, I don't know, whenever they do come out and show something off, I hopefully it's a little bit more exciting than the little last, you know, state of play we got. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get one more sort of like smaller scale state of play this year, kind of like the, the death loop one, but I don't think we will get anything like the PS five showcases last year. Mm-hmm. We're we're getting Ghost Director's Cut in August. We're getting uh, Death Stranding Director's Cut and Deathloop in September. All the big third-party stuff, uh, you know, whatever unannounced and announced things are going to be in the fall. Like they they're going to be fine in terms of having stuff for people to focus on. And if Horizon comes out this year, awesome. If it doesn't, then they focus on that early next year. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything too massive. You know, what's what's weird as hell is I feel like E3 really acted as a visual representation of what the biggest fall games were because there was still that holdover. And there, you know, there's obviously big stuff in the distance, but, you know, there would always be the giant Call of Duty banner across the the top of the thing. And then in the hallways, it was always Netherrealm or WB Games that had like banners lining the inside. You could kind of tell by like Sony's booth what they were pushing the hardest. And like Ubisoft would have like a guy in a tiger costume promoting Far Cry or whatever. But you could kind of like. Just by just by walking around, you could you could kind of just rock what people were what was going to be that year, like what that was going to look like. And it's it feels really just nebulous right now. You know, you you just reminded me of a dark thing that was hiding in my brain. But a couple of years ago, I believe for Far Cry four, we did a shoot at IGN where uh, Ubisoft brought over oh, no. the big animal costumes uh, that they had set up at PAX a sort of like animal wrestling ring where they would get fans to wear these costumes and fight each other. And so for three or four days, hundreds of total strangers, 
after walking around a convention center in August, uh, got into these animal costumes and fought each other. And then they brought two of those costumes at IGN, Lysol the hell out of them. And I put one on for a shoot and almost passed out because it was like just the worst. Just, you know, when someone like Febreze's a a poop, (laughs) you know, it was was like that. Um, I, what was the que- I love the what was the question there? We really we really I don't even there. know at this yeah. point. Um, I think yeah, I think Sonny will do another state of play for this. Yeah, this was sure. will there be a state of play? Um, yeah. yeah, just just looking at this fall. <laughs> I love you guys. I can't believe yeah, I, I ate the whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like Far Cry Six, Back for Blood, Battlefield twenty forty two, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, hey, if Horizon they, comes, but, they yeah. they haven't. They haven't revealed Activision hasn't revealed Reveal. the new Call of Duty yet officially. Yep. Like the new Call of Duty hasn't been officially revealed. Bad timing there. That's gonna be yeah. Good luck with that. God, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh but also, you know what's probably gonna be one of the biggest games of the fall? Grand Theft Auto 5. GTA, yes. Yep, GTA 5 <laughs> coming to next gen consoles. Uh yeah. Anyway, uh just a couple last questions. Uh we'll speed run through. Uh Mitchell said, Do you think Sony will ever get back into handheld gaming again? after this man um i really really hope so i think the like i don't i don't think the steam deck is going to be like the switch killer or the big industry uh disrupting device that some are predicting it to be but i do think it's going to branch a lot of pc gamers into uh uncharted waters which is really awesome because um i've already this is really i've already noticed a lot of like pc players being like I don't get it. Why don't you just play it on your laptop? I'm like, well, because it doesn't have the form factor of a handheld. They're like, well, why would I play a game at a 720p screen? It's like, oh, man, watching you guys discover what handheld gaming in is in real time is as delightful as it is to watch console players find out the joys of PC gaming. Like, there's a lot of like, like stupid cavemen coming over from each side being like, oh, how? <laughs> um, but I, I love the Vita. I know everyone on the show loved the Vita. Love the PSP. Uh, I feel like those were, you know, criminally sort of like under under uh, under loved, uh, under a recognized console or hand, handhelds in the grand scheme of the industry. I would love to see Sony take another swing at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, I mean, it's on the shelves behind me. I love this. Thing. Yeah, i i could I could see it happening. Um, one thing that the PSP and the um, you know Vita had working against them was uh, people like digital games weren't where they are now. Yeah. by a long shot and then the fact that the veto was again you know a proprietary uh system like you had to get oh you want to play uncharted on on your vita you got to get a different uncharted it's a new one and like everything had to be like you have to get the vita version and obviously that's the umd or you had to yeah. get the or i mean the the little the little or you had about the the, right. the, the giant memory yes. cards yeah i could i could see a situation in i don't know a few years down the road where if hardware gets cheap enough they put out sort of the the sega nomad approach and they're like hey it's the ps4 pocket you can play your entire library on the go which would be extremely appealing and i mean if valve is putting out something that can play you know jedi fallen order running on high settings and it's uh you know a 650 dollar device tops Mm -hmm. and that's that's a company that isn't known for hardware manufacturing i feel like if sony watches them get really successful and you know obviously sees the switch selling like like hotcakes like I, I don't know. I could see like three years from now being like, oh, it's the Sony portable Orbis or whatever. I don't know what they call it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if only uh, they hadn't made us buy these proprietary 16 gigabytes of data. Look at that huge Lord. memory card. Wow. Uh, you might yeah, you might as well Sony be holding up like a proprietary stuff. They just it was always yeah. like, yeah, 
You yeah, know, that's like, you're holding up like it's like a that's you're holding up like a like a a, a little gem basically yeah. like a di- like that looks like it came from you know like a diamond mine that's how much that thing is worth does, which was again but, part of the problem. Yeah. Before I wrap up with our final question, does anyone want to guess which game was in my Vita? Tearaway. No. Um, dang, dang and Rampa bomb. Rampa, no. Dang, dang and Rampa. Uh, this is Greg Miller's fault because I remember them talking oh. about it on Beyond back in the day. It's Freedom Wars. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was yeah. a fun one. Yeah. Uh, that has just never left the Vita because I got everything else digitally. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, to wrap up from there, one last question from Tom. Tom asked, if you could take a PlayStation mascot on a fancy date only to have it be interrupted by another mascot who is their jealous ex, and then another mascot who is your ex also shows up, <laughs> but then the two exes get together and it becomes a double date, what restaurant would you go to? Tom, this is Tom Marks, right? It is Tom so, Marks. Tom, yeah. you've, been, you've been podcasting for years. You, you can't just, what is this question, man? I don't even know. We're going to spend 15 minutes unpacking whatever you said. You did this on purpose. This is a minefield and I don't understand. I'm, I'm just confused and angry. Damn you, Tom. And your well, adorable where would you go? little bow ties. Um, let's see. I, uh, Max, you go first. This is a tough one for me. Hi, Applebee's. I don't know. Like a good place for a fight and then also romance. Who are you bringing? That wasn't the question. Tom never asked. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. I was like, that's a really good question. And then it was like, what restaurant? I was like, ho, 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 what a clever <laughs> lark. But we get so many stupid hypotheticals. And I feel like that one starts stupid. And then it gets interesting and then it gets really stupid, but interesting at the same time. And, and then it, it sort pivots. Of, so it's just the question is just like, which restaurant just, would you go yeah. to? It's, it's yeah, what restaurant would you go to? Yeah, it's like, who it's like, who would you want to get together with somebody else? But you'd also who would who would you want to fight? But also, who would you want to date? It's like this weird, like it's like a, a way too elaborate version of the F. Mary kill type of situation. Uh, when I lived in uh, Manhattan, there was a restaurant. Um, I forget the name of it, but we called it drunken Chinese because it was a Chinese restaurant. And um, if you spent $10 there, it would bring you bottomless pitchers of beer. And it was like a secret. And it was basically just like, um, there would be like old Chinese men and women in there eating all the time. And then a bunch of us like scrappy art school kids found out about it. And a bunch of those kids told like kids at NYU. And all of a sudden it was just like dozens and dozens of college kids and everything fell apart. Uh, But there were mirrors in there um, on each side. So it was just like endless. And we would call it like drunken infinity. And you would just drink in there and just look down and just see like thousands of variants of yourself getting drunk. Um, and it was super cheap and they, they changed the rules and everything and they, they limited how much you could drink or how much you could come in and then the place burned down. So it's sadly gone now. Um, and I don't know if they did that on purpose for insurance things or whatever, but I would like to go there one more time with, uh, Kratos. That'd be fun. I'll take that. Eileen, the crow. Yeah. Uh, I, I would go, uh, there's a piano bar in Hayes Valley here in SF. Uh, and I would go there uh, if only because I want us to have the dramatic fight as someone's playing. You're talking about Martunis? No, not Martunis. Uh, it's just a Martunis. Martunis Martunis is great. Actually. Yeah. Martunis would be be hammered. They make dog drinks there. Don't go there during the day. It looks like a, like a, like a haunted house. Like when the light, all the, when the, when sunlight's coming in there, there are cobwebs from like 1941. There, there are no windows in that place. It is. No. Yeah. It, which is, you know, great for when it's 2 a.m. and someone's drunkenly singing karaoke and you're three martinis in. But otherwise, yeah, great place for probably a fight to break out. They, they uh, anyway, have a signature drink there called the Martuni, which is literally just a giant. It's like a quarter of a bottle of vodka in a glass. That's it. They don't put anything else in it. There's no olives. There's no fizz. It's just vodka. So give that a shot. 
Yep. Anyway, uh, a great place to go to. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're running short on time, so I'm going to wrap <laughs> us up there. But thank you to everyone who wrote in. Uh, I'll save some of these questions for next week as well in the coming weeks uh, and ask for more when we need them. But thank you to everyone who wrote in and, and supplied us with those uh, questions, except for you, Tom. Uh, before we go, Brian and Max, anything you want to shout out that you've been working on or want to point people to? Uh, man, I mean, Max and I spent the entire weekend doing, you know, Comic-Con adjacent coverage. So that's that's kind of come and gone. Um, I did uh, the biggest games of the month video that Max always does to kind of help lighten the load on his plate. That was fun. And then, I don't know, we have a lot of stuff more coming. There's Gamescom stuff coming up. We're busy. We're just, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's anything just out there just yet. Yeah, um, I've got my, you know, monthly shows, the reviews and review and the biggest streaming releases in which is which honestly just feels Sisyphean to be like, oh, here's everything coming to streaming platforms in August. And it's like, that's not even all the stream. We don't even name all the streaming platforms. There's too much. There's too much stuff. Too much. Yeah, I say at the end of like an hour and 15 minute long PlayStation podcast that happens once a week. <laughs> Too much content. Uh, but speaking of, thank you to everyone who who listened and watched this episode. Um, yeah, on, on the feature side, I just want to point out, we um, I did an interview with the directors of Last Stop, uh, the episodic Annapurna game, uh, about, uh, no spoilers right now, but if you've played it, uh, we get into spoilers of how the, the wild ending that that game has, how that came together, and some of the transformations it went through. Uh, so look forward to that. And then I uh, have another couple interviews coming up later this week that are embargoed, but stay tuned for those. Uh, you should. Uh, Somebody's talking should to Crash like Bandicoot. I hope. To to Did you ask him about his divorce? I Every it's, time I do. and he It's never ugly. Responds. Not a nice thing to bring up in an interview, Jonathan. You should know. I that. know. It's weird. But I just want he to was, do, I do want to do right by you. 24 years he was married to that uh, wooden crate. <laughs> Uh, anyway, in addition to Crash's divorce, we'll be talking about plenty more in the weeks to come here on Podcast Beyond. But uh, you can find us normally on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle, and Max is at Max Scoville. Uh, Beyond is live normally every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, so you can tune in then on your platform of choice. And thank you for those who do tune in every week, uh, whether you watch, listen, uh, comment, subscribe, hit the the bell, whatever you do. We appreciate it. We appreciate your support. <laughs> Uh, And thank you, as always, to Red, our producer, for helping to make the show happen. And we hope you're all safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.